Hello and welcome to the second episode of a brand new podcast called Tax Tea Break with Go Simple Tax. It's a six-part podcast series where I speak to tax and self-assessment experts who offer free time and money-saving tax tips for sole traders, private landlords and expat Brits. My name is Mark Williams and I'm your host. Hopefully you've made yourself a nice copper. Now, each 20-minute episode has its own subject, and in this, our second episode, we'll be offering guidance on how to manage UK tax if you're an expat Brit. Some 5 million British people are now reported to live permanently outside the UK, with a third calling Australia or New Zealand home, and 28% living in the USA or Canada. A quarter live elsewhere in Europe, with Spain by far the most popular choice. Many expats still have to pay tax in the UK, of course. Before we get some tax tips for expats from today's guest expert, let's find out how Go Simple Tax could benefit you if you pay tax via self-assessment. Tax returns. Do they fill you with fear? Self-assessments can be, uh, well, taxing. At Go Simple Tax, our software makes it a doddle. Submit your return quickly and easily. Simple. Go Simple Tax flags potential tax savings and deductions you may be entitled to and could save you money. An inbuilt error checker ensures no mistakes are made. And with tens of thousands of returns submitted, you're in good hands. Our excellent support team is there to support you at every step of the way. Go Simple Tax, the easy solution for making tax digital. Did I mention it's free to try? Let us help you. Go Simple Tax, the simple way to tax return. It's time now to introduce our expert, Mark Alsop, who is Associate Director, UK-US personal tax at leading accountancy and business advisory firm BDO. BDO operates 18 UK locations and is part of a global network that's active in 164 countries. BDO also provides advice on personal tax and wealth management and its clients include many expat Brits. Mark has 15 years experience. He's qualified in both the UK and US. He's a member of the Association of Taxation Technicians as well as a US enrolled tax agent. Based in Nottingham, Mark is a highly experienced member of BDO's expat team. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. So to begin at the beginning, Mark, for, for any expat Brits out there who are struggling to understand UK tax rules and their UK tax obligations, that's perfectly understandable, isn't it? Because the rules can be quite difficult to understand. Oh, that's right. The rules are quite, can be quite difficult for non-residents to follow. That's because there's a bit of an overload of information on the internet. Some of it may or may not be right. Some of it may or may not apply to you. So what I traditionally say to help understand the rules, um, check in on HMRC's website and then kind of go from there. And also those rules are subject to change, maybe annually, maybe every couple of years, but, but things don't stay the same, do they? That's right. It's ever changing. And even very recently, we've had the, the mini budget, or which is quite a large budget, which, is, which has changed a lot of that. And, and when someone from the UK moves to another country permanently, the amount of UK tax they pay or don't pay is determined by their tax residence and domicile status. Can you please explain the difference between a non-dom and an expat who still resides in the UK for tax purposes. Absolutely. There's, there's two different concepts here of residence and domicile. And effectively, you have to look at each of them and then look at them together to, to kind of understand your position as an individual. Effectively, your residence is more or less going to dictate what you're taxed on from income and a capital gains tax perspective. Your domicile is more or less going to be your inheritance tax. And that's what we'll consider for, for this, this question. Residence is, is calculated by something called the statutory residence test. It's effectively looking at your days of presence and other factors to determine whether or not you're a resident of the UK in a particular year. We'll get on to a domicile in a second, but I just want to kind of go through the residency 
the resident non-resident positions to sort of add a bit of color to that. So if you're a UK um, domiciliary and you're resident in the UK, effectively, you're going to be taxed on your worldwide income and gains because you're a UK tax resident. If you're a UK domiciliary and a non-UK tax resident, you're only going to be taxed on your UK situs income and gains. So income arising from UK sources. The domicile piece I'll come on to in, in a second. There is a difference, however, if you're a non-domiciled person and a UK tax resident. In this case, somebody who's non-domiciled and is a UK tax resident, they can make an annual election to either be taxed on something called the arising or remittance basis. The arising basis is where they're taxed on their worldwide income and gains, just like a UK dom. The remittance basis is where they're taxed solely on their UK earnings and any income they bring into the UK. This is a year-on-year election for these guys, and they usually choose what's most economic to them because they can under the legislation. There are charges if they want to do the remittance basis. You know, if, you've, if they've been here seven out of nine years, it's 30K charge. It's a 60K charge if you want to do it 12 out of 14, if you've been here 12 out of 14 years. But once somebody has been resident in the UK and they're a non-domiciliary and they've been here for 15 out of 20 years, that election is not available to them. They're considered something called deemed dom, and they're taxed on their um, worldwide income and gains to the extent they're a UK tax resident. So to sort of add to that, what is domicile? Domicile is a little bit more complex, and it's harder to change than your residency. Your residency is, is, is relatively straightforward. It's where you are at the current moment in time in that tax year. Your domicile effectively affects how your estate is a tax upon death. So it's, it has a big role to play in your inheritance tax. So if you're a UK domiciliary, you're subject to UK inheritance tax on your worldwide assets when you die. If you're not a UK domiciliary, you're only subject to your UK situs assets when you die, and that's things like a UK house. So to kind of understand how domicile works, there are three types of domicile under UK law. The first one is domicile of origin. It's where you're from, where you're born and bred. The UK has quite old rules. It also pertains to where your dad's from. If your dad's UK and you're UK, you're considered UK domiciliary. If you're under 16, it depends where you're sort of who's legally bound to look after you is from. And you can have a domicile of choice, which, which may impact some of the people listening here, is that you need to be in a new jurisdiction to obtain a new domicile. You know, typically domicile is, is you know, like I said, where you're born and bred. But you, th- this can be changed if you're in a new location, but you'd have to make new steps and big steps in that new location to change your domicile. Things like citizenship in that new country, obtaining a passport in that new country, looking to live there forever, morbid things like having a burial plot in that country. Those are the things you have to look at if you're going to change your domicile. It's very hard to change it. I've not seen instances where people have gone from UK to non-UK. Usually it's the non-domiciled guy becomes domiciled after being here for 15 years. So you should seek advice if you want to test that position. So I guess in mind to the question, and I appreciate it's quite a long answer because it's quite (laughs) a a sort of a large concept. It's a complex issue. issue, Is Effectively, if you're a UK dom and you're not living in the UK at this point in time, you're a non-UK tax resident, you're going to be taxed on your estate upon death, and you're only going to be subject to UK tax on your UK situs income and gains. If you're a UK domiciliary and you're in the UK, you're going to be taxed on everything you earn in the world, as well as your IHT. 
So that's kind of the difference there. So, so if someone moves to another country from the UK, it doesn't mean they automatically stop paying UK tax, does it? It doesn't. It goes back to that understanding whether or not you're a resident of the UK or not when you when you leave. It also determines whether or not you actually have any assets remaining in the UK, which is going to generate income. For anyone listening who's still living in the UK but is considering moving abroad to Spain or France to live, when and how do they need to let HMRC know about that for tax purposes? So there's a form called P85. Um, usually you complete that when you've left. You can Google it and find it on HMRC's website. Once you've left and you've set up residence in your, in your new country, France, Spain, wherever, you complete that and that informs the government. In addition, I would say filing a UK tax return in the year you leave because that would also indicate to HMRC the date you left because you, you add that onto the residency pages. So those are the two ways of doing it. What common sources of UK income might an expat Brit have to pay on tax, pay tax on rather? Is UK tax payable on all sources of UK income, including pensions, savings, interest, rental, property, shares, everything? By and large, yes, you're considered for tax on these, but whether or not you're actually taxed depends on if you can claim allowances and, and, and the quantum of, of income you receive. This UK side is so, for example, UK interest and dividends is taxable, but you get the saving and dividends allowance. So if you're receiving nominal income from a UK company, you know, UK, your UK dividend is a couple of hundred pounds and your interest is a couple of hundred pounds, you're not going to be taxed on that because you're going to be covered. UK pensions are taxable. You know, you, you'll generally find if you maybe if you're in a, a private scheme that you receive P60 with your pension on and that may have UK withholding at source. Rental income is going to be taxable. That's that's kind of, I guess, the big one for a lot of the guys listening is is, is rental income is, is key. You know, it comes out of UK soil. The UK has the first right to tax that. There is instances where UK employment is also taxable to you, even if you've left the UK. Those sort of scenarios are if you've been involved in a share scheme at work. So say you, you, you get the option to participate in the company share scheme. It's a three-year vesting period. For two years, you're working in the UK. For year three, you move to Germany. The income derived in those two years out of three is going to be taxable in the UK. If you've got, if you leave the UK and then you get a delayed termination payment after you've finished work, the termination payment is going to be taxable in the UK because it's from your services performed for a UK company. The same way as a bonus, you know, if if you get a bonus in 2022 and you're living in Germany, but it relates to your performance in 2021 and you were living in the UK, effectively that's UK taxable. Okay, and another common scenario: what if I, uh, an expat Brit, and I've moved overseas, and I inherit money? Say a member of, of the family passes away in the UK, and I inherit a fairly substantial amount of money. Is that taxable? Do I have to pay tax on that? Potentially, from the UK standpoint, typically the estate of the person who died is their estate that's considered for tax, and usually you're receiving something after that estate has been considered for tax. So for UK tax purposes, traditionally you won't. I mean, if you do receive a house and then you rent it out, you are going to pay tax on on the rental income. But I, I would say to you, if you're unsure, check with the executor of that estate as to your UK position. But I would say to you that locally, the country that you live in, you need to check the rules there because they may have slightly different rules. Um, for example, France... The, the system is completely different to that of the UK. It, it, it's it's like chalk and cheese. Same with Spain's. You'd want to ask somebody locally, what's my local implications of receiving this? Yeah, great. Sound advice that, Mark. So next question then, Mark. So what if an expat Brit earns taxable income from the country they've moved to? Is that subject to local or UK tax? Likely that's subject to local tax. It, a lot of it depends on your residency status. You know, if you are no longer a UK resident, 
and this is income you're earning in the local country, Spain, for example, the UK won't tax that because it's you're not a resident anymore. The UK would only care about UK income from a position of a non-resident. So it should only be reportable and taxable in, in, in the local country. Okay. And how important is it then in expat Brits make sure that they're not paying tax in two systems, two countries? It, it, it's, it's quite important. The, the, the biggest kind of issue you're going to see is where there's maybe a crossover between the two, where you're moving from the UK to the foreign country. Because like I kind of alluded to is if you keep your UK residency, if you're not able to break that, the UK still can tax you on your worldwide income and gains. So it, it is mindful to make sure that you're not taxed um, because of something like that. But also the same the same instance, you know, if you are a non-resident of the UK but have a UK rental property, the UK may well tax that. You're going to have to report that on your local return. You can't help that that, that, that's going to be the case and you may be able to use foreign tax credits to offset local tax on that same income. And, and if someone, an expat moves overseas but rents out their UK property, the tax can be deducted by the tenant or agent in the UK and paid directly to HMRC or the expat landlord can fill out an NRL1 form so that all of the rent is paid directly to them and then they pay the tax to HMRC. What option is likely to be the best for an expat landlord? I don't think it makes too much of a difference. I think maybe it depends how, how much you expect to receive from this property and how you are as a person. I think if you're terrible at budgeting, and you expect to receive a good net rental yield, perhaps you would want to have the tax withheld at source and then you true it up at the end when you do your tax return. If, however, you've done your sums, you potentially know you can claim the personal allowance and maybe the, the rental yield that you're going to get in your pocket is equal to or slightly over, you don't want to have the withholding at source. You want to just pay it at the end when you do your tax return. So I don't think it makes too much of a difference, but it, I think it's a case-by-case case situation. And I would say, look, if, if you're not expecting to earn a significant amount from it and it's, it's, it's going to be a trickle of income, it's probably best to not have the withholding of source. The in income tax thresholds and allowances that somebody living in the UK, do they change when you're an expat living overseas or do exactly the same, say the personal allowance, for example, the same, that would be taken into account whether you, you're an expat Brit living overseas or whether you're a taxpayer living in the UK? It, it, you know, it still applies. You know, the, the rules around whether or not you can get the personal allowance, uh, you know, you can get it to the extent you're a UK national, a national of the European economic area. You know, if you're a UK national living abroad, you, you will get access to the personal allowance as if you were you were here too you know you do get access like i said earlier on you know to the savings and dividends allowance you still get the relief on your principal private residence for the last nine months you know deemed as if you were occupying it for those nine months so by and large the answer is yes um, but i would say that if there's something very specific research that and, and make sure you can but those sort of main items that i've mentioned there you can to the extent you're a uk national and as you've said previously, it pays to sort of seek tailored advice to make sure that you're claiming all the reliefs and allowances that you're, that, that you're entitled to. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's always best to do that. You don't end up in a position where maybe you've, you've paid too much tax. But there is a fair decent bit of guidance on HMRC's website about these sorts of things, because these are relatively common and these, these will be quite common questions asked by people. What, what about capital gains tax then? If, for example, I'm an expat Brit and I sell my property in the, in the UK, is that sort of subject to capital gains tax in the UK? And if so, what tax planning measures do you recommend? In terms of being subject to capital gains tax, typically non-residents of the UK aren't subject to it, but there are exceptions. One of them is if you dispose of a UK property interest. 
So a non-resident selling UK property is subject to capital gains tax on that property. And the other one is if you carry on a trade in the UK by a branch or agency. That's not important on this question, so I won't go any further. There are rules about if you leave the UK and you're leaving the UK to just sell your property, then come back to the UK and avoid capital gains tax. Uh, that's something called temporary non-resident rules. You know, you have to be out of the UK for a full five tax years in order for your capital gains to not be taxable. Um, if, if you have, you know, if you leave in year one, sell your house in year two, come back in year three, when you come back in year three, HMRC are going to know, and the gains you had during that period are all going to then come to fruition and be taxed. So that's important to, to note. And, and I'm assuming no one who's listening to this anyway is going to be in that position. It's a, it's a case that they're fully out of the UK. So on the assumption then that everyone's been out of the UK and are going to be out of the UK for four or five years, your UK property is going to be subject to UK tax. Now, my my planning and my approach to this is is, is, is kind of threefold. First, let before anything is signed and before anything is agreed and you've sold it, determine the tax impact on the sale, including how to report this. HMRC have calculators on their website to help you. Typically, if you are selling your home, the, the period of time in which it was your home isn't taxable. But if you've moved to Spain and you've been there for a year, you've had a home in Spain for a year. So you've opened up a year of years worth of, of gain. You know, if you've owned it for 10 years, argument's sake, one over 10 is potentially subject to UK tax. But HMRC's calculators will help you kind of work through that as well. Uh, you know, if you sell a, a, an ex-rental property, there are calculators there to help you too. So I would say work out roughly what you think the UK tax is going to be. If you need advice and you think it's, oh, it's a little bit too much for me to deal with, seek it for sure because it's, it's a big thing and usually it's the biggest thing that most of us do in terms of in terms of income. When you do sell that property, do note, however, for UK tax purposes as a non-resident, you need to pay the tax within 60 days of sale to HMRC. So you do need to have done your calculation and your homework. You do need to report it to HMRC via a capital gains form. And then you also report that report it on your tax return too. So there's, there's a little bit of admin there and there's also paying of the tax. So the first port of call is, is figure out your UK position because that's going to be the primary taxer, the UK. After this, seek local advice. So once you've got in your back pocket what you think is going to happen to you in the UK, go to your local advisor and say, I'm selling my house or I'm selling this property. This is what it looks like for a UK, on a UK standpoint, what happens to me here in France? And they'll probably say, in France, this is taxable to us too. So then you want to work with that local advisor to say, well, I need to pay UK tax. When do I, you know, I need to pay it by this date for UK purposes. Do I need to accelerate that for French purposes? That way you're not caught short either by the UK or where you live. Um, so I think in this is where you have effectively a, a taxation in two places is, is, is to seek local advice, at least at the local level. And is it a similar scenario then if you're based overseas in expat Britain and you sell a UK business? Same thing. It is more or less the same thing. I mean, as we mentioned, you know, um, non-residents aren't taxable on their capital gains. So if Bob owns Bob the Builder Limited and sells his shares in Bob the Builder Limited and gets cash, typically he's not going to be subject to capital gains tax on that. But as we all know, everyone's business is different. You might have business partners. Some of them might be resident. You might have a subsidiary. You might have been working for a portion of your business in the country where you live. You know, so, so my sort of plan there would be plan ahead know what your proposal looks like obviously never agree to sell the business just yet until you've got the tax advice that's key find out what it is work out what you want from the company and then just like the house go speak to a local advisor because in your local area france spain the us wherever there's going to be 
local tax to consider for sure. And if you get involved early with a local advisor and as well as a UK advisor too, you know, you can work through as any reliefs available to you that maybe you would have missed because you don't do that every day. But a local advisor who advises on the sale of overseas businesses sees it every day and they know it and they'll be able exactly and they'll be able to say to you, look, you know, you can invest this money into a new business or you can invest it here and, and this will give you a tax break. So I would say is work out what it is you want from from the from your business, what the sale looks like, go seek local advice and then take it from there. Yeah, it seems to be a theme that's running through most of the things that you're saying. If you're in any doubt about the tax liability or your tax obligations, seek tailored advice, know exactly what, what, what the lie of the land is. I mean, it's absolutely key. Mind you, most people listening to this will probably go, well, he's a tax advisor, of course. He's uh, he's going to then go, oh, yeah, you should definitely seek local advice and tax advice. But, but it really is key. A lot of the advice you're going to see online is either going to be incredibly generic or it's going to be tailored to somebody's specific situation. So you, your situation might be nuanced and then you need to find out about it. You know, the UK operates a self-assessment basis. It's for the taxpayer to work out on themselves what it is they need to do. If they submit that to HMRC and HMRC thinks it's wrong, HMRC will correct you, but there's open for potential interest and penalties if you've been deliberate or careless or things like that. So, you know, I'd always say to the extent something sort of gets out of your comfort zone, you know, if you've been reporting a UK rental property for years and you're comfortable with that, go ahead and keep going. You know, if HMRC even come back to you and you think you're, you're correct, keep on going. But if it's something that's complex, you know, the worst thing to do is to just just do anything and then oh, I'm done, it's out of my hair. You know, unpicking a problem costs more than getting advice at the start to get it right. You know, and also I'd say, you know, the worst thing to do is, is to not action anything. The worst thing is just to put your head in the sand and, and then not do anything, you know. It, it may seem expensive advice, but in the long run, good quality advice is cheaper than getting it wrong and having to unpick it. HMRC software can't cope with the SA109 form, which is probably the most important tax return form for expats. What are the solutions to that problem? Do you recommend using specialist software? Absolutely. Specialist software or a specialist service provider can take care of that filing for you. Usually, you know, specialist software will give that to you in a nice, easy, readable format, which, you know, you want to keep hold of your tax return and, and keep them in your records. So I definitely suggest using those. I myself was an expat for three years and I did that as opposed to using HMRC system. Lots of uh, really interesting food for thought and guidance there, Mark. Thanks very much indeed for your time and being a great guest today. Thank you. No problem. Thank you very much. It's been my pleasure. So what are the three key takeaways from this episode? One, just because you no longer live in the UK, don't assume that you won't have to pay any UK tax. UK tax can still be payable on a variety of sources of income. Two, tax rules can be complex when you're an expat Brit, so it can be wise to seek tailored professional tax advice, especially if you're earning taxable income in the country in which you now live. Three, you cannot file your SA-109 form online if you live overseas, and that's a key form for expat Brits with income that's subject to UK tax. Third-party self-assessment software offers a solution. If you're an expat Brit, hopefully this episode has given you a greater understanding of how to better manage UK tax. You can also head over to the Go Simple Tax website, gosimpletax.com, for more free guidance on a wide range of tax-related topics. Go Simple Tax also offers a highly popular tax return checking service for expats and others wanting added peace of mind from knowing that their tax return has been filled in correctly and that they're claiming all of their tax expenses and allowances. Once again, find out more by visiting gosimpletax.com. 
Our next episode will look at expenses that you can claim when you rent out property in the UK, which is something that many expats do, of course. Deducting these expenses from your rental income helps to minimise your tax bill. If you're a private landlord, don't miss it. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you've learned lots of valuable information. Please tell others about the podcast and follow us and like us and share our social media posts because we really do want to help as many expats, sole traders and private landlords as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Until next time. <music>